Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. number 877-381-3811 877-381-3811 well i made this decision literally three minutes ago to lead with a story i was not planning to lead with mr producer but i'm going to and i think you all will figure it out very very shortly pelosi accused of hiding information on her role in security breakdown on January 6th by Kerry Pickett of the Washington Times. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is concealing information about her culpability in the security breakdown during the January 6th riot. You know, this has been my bugaboo, folks. This has been my focus. According to Republican lawmakers who've been pursuing those documents since immediately after the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Representative Rodney Dave, uh, Davis, Republican of Illinois, said Mrs. Pelosi is stonewalling. He's the top Republican on the House Administration Committee, which oversees the management of the Capitol complex. He said the sergeant-at-arms at the direction of the Speaker has refused to provide us their communications surrounding January 6th. I believe those records will show there was a lot of communications and coordination between the Speaker's office and law enforcement officials, Leading up to and on January 6th, he wrote in a statement to the Times. He sent a letter yesterday to Mrs. Pelosi that reiterated House Republicans' demand for the release of documents and communications involving the decision not to deploy the National Guard for the mass protests anticipated that day. He said in the immediate aftermath of January 6th, Republicans began an examination of the Capitol's security vulnerabilities. On January 13, 2021, As the ranking Republican member of the House Administration Committee, I sent letters to the acting House Sergeant-at-Arms, the House Chief Administrative Officer, 
and the acting chief of the U.S. Capitol Police, asking them to preserve all records relating to January 6th, Mr. Davis wrote. Although the USCP immediately complied with my request to preserve and produce relevant documents, the House Sergeant at Arms and Chief Administrative Officer, the two House officers who report directly to Pelosi, responded jointly that they were, quote, unable to comply with the request at this time, unquote. Now, nearly a year after this request, the House Sergeant at Arms and Chief Administrative Officer have yet to comply with the request. House Administration Committee Chairwoman Zoe Lofgren, she is an old-time red. California Democrat called Mr. Davis's letter pure revisionist fiction and another attempt by Republicans to distract and deflect from the January 6th mayhem. The Chief Administrative Officer and House Sergeant of Arms have already notified Ranking Member Davis they are complying with preservation requests and will fully cooperate with the various law enforcement investigations and bona fide... Congressional inquiries, she said. However, the February 1 response to Mr. Davis from the Capitol's chief administrative officer and sergeant of arms denied the request to turn over documents. Been almost a year since the first request. We made multiple attempts since to get this information. Have been unsuccessful each time, said Ashley Phelps, a spokeswoman for the House Administration Committee Republicans. If the House SAA and COA do plan to comply with our request, we'd hope it would be this Congress. Speaker Pelosi could direct him to do so, and this wouldn't be an issue. Representative Jim Jordan, top Republican on the Judiciary Committee, also is involved in the effort. And that's why they're now turning on Jordan, among others, with the Pelosi-Stalinist Committee, where she appointed every single member. Because Jordan, as the ranking Republican, the top Republican of the Judiciary Committee in the House, has been trying to get this very same information. He said there have been conflicting accounts about security preparations days before a pro-Trump mob, quote-unquote, that's the Washington Times, stormed the Capitol in an attempt to stop Congress from certifying Joseph Biden's presidential election. You have conflicting testimony from that time period, said Jordan on Fox News. The Capitol Hill police have said they asked for the National Guard to be present on January 6th. The Sergeant of Arms has said, no, you didn't. So one guy says we asked for it. The other guy says we didn't. The guy who says we didn't ask for it reports directly to the speaker and all the documents. The guy who said we did ask for the National Guard, they gave us the information. The top Republicans on several House committees that started early probes into January 6th attack first sent Pelosi a letter on February 15, asking for communications with law enforcement related to the security plans. It has been widely reported and confirmed by multiple sources that when Chief Stephen Sund requested the National Guard to be activated ahead of the January 6th joint session of Congress, the response from the Sergeant of Arms, acting on Pelosi's behalf, was that the optics of having the National Guard on site were not good. And the intelligence didn't support the move, wrote the Republicans from the administration, judiciary, oversight, reform and intelligence committees. Senate Republicans, including Lindsey Graham, also have questioned Ms. Pelosi's responsibility for security at the Capitol before the riots. Graham's inquiries prompted Pelosi spokesman Drew Hamill last year to tweet the disgraceful attempt to shift blame for the mob attack on the Capitol is absurd and pathetic. 
He need only look in the mirror if he wants to start pointing a finger and he goes on. Why won't she supply the information, ladies and gentlemen? Why won't she supply it? Why won't her handpicked thugs and goons on the Stalinist committee, led by Benny Hill Thompson and Liz Cheney, unhinged Liz, why won't they provide the documentation to we the people? Why won't the American media ask for the documentation? For we the people, as I rip this up, because they're covering up for Pelosi, that's why. Liz Cheney is actually quite stupid. I never thought she was, but she's demonstrated her IQ is quite low. And she says Trump is guilty of dereliction of duty. Well, it wasn't Trump's duty to protect the Capitol building. That was the duty of Pelosi. She could have asked for the National Guard. She didn't. The president also offered the National Guard. She didn't accept it. We all know why. I've explained why many, many times. Because she hates the cops. She hates the National Guard. She loves the Marxist wing of her party, of which she's thrown in. And because, of course, Pelosi wants to play to the base. And can you imagine what it would look like to have more cops in the National Guard surrounding the Capitol building when she trashed the military, potential military presence and federal law enforcement at Lafayette Park, more than Lafayette Park, also threatening them and calling them stormtroopers at the Portland Federal Courthouse, among other places. She embraced, embraced the, uh, the destroy the cop movement, the defund the police, the slash their budgets movements, uh, despite them taking steps back from that now. She's done nothing to improve law enforcement in this country. Uh, tomorrow, January 6th, they intend to pretend that they support the cops, pretend that they support the cops, uh, which clearly they do not. Now, this committee that I talked about at great length yesterday, and I've talked about a length about before, to the point at which the Washington Compost, New York Slimes, and others are very upset with me for daring to talk about January 6th, the people who are in uh, various gulags around the city of Washington, D.C., you're not allowed to talk about this, Mark. No, 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 no. After all, they're not Black Lives Matter or Antifa. After all, they're not the Weather Underground. The media have an affinity for the Marxist radical left and their violence. And their violence. So they cover for them, they protect them, they even celebrate them. They believe in them. That's why January 6th is the worst attack on democracy in American history. Not just since the Civil War, since ever. Involving all these white supremacists and Trump supporters and Trump himself leading the cause. Now, Congress's job is to pass laws as necessary. Congress's job is to fund the federal budget, to raise taxes to do such a thing. It's supposed to follow the, uh, the limits of our constitutional construct. We actually have a Congress that's more than schizophrenic, has 400 different personalities in the form of Nancy Pelosi. They trash the constitutional system. They are constantly trying to find ways to change the constitutional rules, not with amendments, but in omnibus bills with certain kinds of language and so forth. They support the appointment of the most radical types of judges who have no intention of judging and every intention of legislating. Every intention. 
And yet, when it actually comes to challenging them, they wave around the Constitution. Now, Congress is investigating, they say, what happened on January 6th to the exclusion of Nancy Pelosi. This committee has said through Benny Hill Thompson and Liz Unhinged Cheney that Trump had dereliction of duty, that he was sitting there watching it in the living room, watching the riot. He didn't do anything. Well, what was he supposed to do? And actually did many things. As the Federalist pointed out, and as our friend uh, Julie Kelly has pointed out, just based on even the New York Times timeline, But this committee is so out of control, ladies and gentlemen, it's throwing its net so widely that it makes every single investigative committee in the past, the abusive committees of Congress, look like a joke. Look like a joke. Now, I haven't had a chance to talk to my buddy Hannity, but a look at this piece that's been leaked all over the place, to USA Today, to Axios, to The Hill... Because that's what this committee does. It creates narratives and then it leaks to their friends in the press because they know they have these friends in the press. And they all pretty much say the same thing. Here's the headline, The Hill. January 6th panel releases Hannity texts, ask for cooperation. When we come back, we're going to dive into this. Hannity texts, ask for cooperation. You know, we have a First Amendment in this country. Freedom of the press. Now, press doesn't just include MSNBC and CNN. It doesn't just include the reprobates who write for the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. It doesn't just include the frauds who make millions sitting in front of cameras at NBC, ABC, and CBS. It doesn't just include them. It actually even includes Fox. And it even includes opinion givers, opinion makers. At Fox. That's the press. The broadcast mediums considered the press too. So what's going on here? Why all the leaks from the committee to the media? Why do they want an interim report before the midterm elections? Why are they throwing around subpoenas? Throwing around subpoenas like the mob throws around cash. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education. And it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love free to make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. Imprimus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com.
First, there's Adam Schiff, who should not be a lawyer. His uh, bar license should have been pulled a long time ago, given his conduct in the various public forums and his deceit, lying, cheating, and all the rest of it. Uh, But nonetheless, he was on MSLSD today, just happened to be on with somebody named Haley Jackson. No doubt the next Walterine Cronkite. Cut 23, go! Is that the expectation? Are you looking for information or for cooperation from Mr. Hannity? Yes, uh, and I think you'll see an announcement about that uh, very soon. Um, You know, we believe that he was texting with the chief of staff uh, and that he has information that would be relevant to our committee. Um, He was more than uh, a Fox uh, host. He was also a a confident advisor, campaigner uh, for the former president. Uh, And I would hope that if he's asked by the committee, as I expect he will be very soon, that he would cooperate with us. And that's a voluntary request, just so I'm clear on that? Um, uh, my understanding, and you'll get confirmation of this very soon, is that we are making a voluntary request uh, that he speak with the committee. Wow, what a committee. They determined that Sean Hannity and Donald Trump are friends and that they would speak and text each other from time to time. Nobody in the media has ever done that with Kamala Harris or Biden or Pelosi or Schumer or even Adam Schiff, have they? No! Look at all the communications we had between the Obama people and the Biden people and the Secretary of Confusion, Hillary Clinton with the media and the texting and the emails and the on and on and on. Russia collusion and Russia collusion and Russia collusion. Sean must be something more than merely a Fox host, you see. Now, first of all, I don't know what Sean knows or doesn't know, but I do know this. Every one of these damn frauds in the media communicate regularly with their favorite politicians. Every damn one of them. And they always have. And many of them carry water for them. Why do you think CNN and MSNBC exist today? They carry water for Pelosi and Schumer and Biden and Kamala Harris. That's it. That's it. But we need to know what this particular individual, Hannity, texted and discussed with the president. First of all, a couple of things. They're already leaking his texts to the media in advance of his quote-unquote voluntary appearance. They're already, in other words, ladies and gentlemen, violating the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, freedom of the press through the back door by releasing texts they're getting from other people's data to the press itself, which is perfectly happy to regurgitate them because they don't believe in the press. They believe in propaganda. And I want to nail this down, so stick with me. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month, and you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. 
And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great Digest of Liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, a proud conservative. No ifs, ands, or buts. Call in at 877-381-3811. All right, folks. I'm here. This committee is actually filled with very stupid partisan people. Liz Cheney sits there and is now friends with a chairman who hated cops, who abused cops. She sits there with a guy named Raskin whose father had ties to the old Soviet Union and created an organization that pushed efforts to undermine the nation. His name's Raskin. She sits there, I believe he's on this committee, with Swalwell who I believe was bought and paid for by the, uh, by the communist Chinese. And if he disagrees with me, he's free to sue me for libel, in which case I will have full discovery, and I'll own his ass just like she did. But I just want to show you the depths to which this entity is pursuing individuals. And keep in mind their purpose, because Liz Cheney explained it on Sunday. It's to prevent Donald Trump from ever being president again, and from ever getting the nomination of the Republican Party, and to prevent the Republican Party from ever again supporting somebody like a Donald Trump. So this has nothing to do with a legislative purpose, nothing whatsoever. And so they want to hand it these texts. Here's the piece in Yahoo News, which is pretty uh, uh, repetitive of other phony news sources. The House panel investigating the January 6th attack. Now, you see, if we had a real meeting in this country, they wouldn't say the House panel. They'd say the Speaker's panel on Capitol said, because it's not investigating the attack on the Capitol, because it's not even inquiring of Nancy Pelosi. I began the program and I explained this. Said today it had a series of text messages from Sean Hannity. Now, how did they get those? I guess Mark Meadows and others. But you're not free to violate the First Amendment and freedom of the press. Through the back door, through the former chief of staff to the president of the United States, you're not free to do that. And then to leak that information to the, to the Democrat Party propagandists and phony media. You're not free to do that. I don't care if you're a member of Congress. I don't care if you represent the Speaker of the House. The Bill of Rights applies to everybody. The Constitution and the rule of law apply to everybody. But this is what they did. What should they have done, Mark? What they should have done with the lawyers on that committee and the legal counsel on that committee, although they're all Pelosiites. I don't know that they've all had their face worked on, but they're all Pelosiites. What they should have done is contacted Hannity or any other person in the press, their lawyer, and said, you may want us to redact this and to formally request this information through a subpoena should we seek to pursue it. In other words, they call this, and this is not an ethnic slur, they call it a Chinese wall. They should have people on this committee who see the information that potentially violates the United States Constitution, due process and other issues, but the United States Constitution, First Amendment, freedom of the press, put it on the other side of the Chinese wall, away from the members of Congress, 
have a lawyer, a professional who's used to this kind of activity. I've had to deal with this in the past in the Reagan administration. And then flags this information, informs, say, Hannity's lawyer, who I guess is Jay Sekulow, so they can challenge it or at least initially insist that it be redacted in order to preserve the First Amendment to the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. But they didn't do that. They immediately leaked it to their friends in the media. They leaked it. And then they say, we want Sean Hannity's voluntary assistance. I hope you folks are listening, because people all over the media are listening. They regurgitated some of my friends on our favorite network, some of our friends in this business. You should hear it from me. You should hear it from me, not laundered through other people, because they don't understand it. The letter to Hannity, so they leaked the letter to the press. Reviews five communications sent by the conservative commentator among dozens in the committee's possession. So here you have the committee working with their own media, the mouthpiece for the Democrat Party, including previously unreleased texts that argue, they argue, show, quote, he had advanced knowledge regarding President Trump's and his legal team's planning for January 6th. Now, let's say he did. And I'm not saying he did, but this for for, uh, stipulation purposes. So what? So what? Who cares? They care, because it's all about politics and the document. And that is politics and destroying uh, a future race. On December 31, Hannity appeared to express concern. Now, here you have the media doing the advocacy for the committee about a letter, I don't know if Sean had seen it. I'll let him and his lawyer work this stuff out. I don't know if Sean was involved in anything they said, but they've leaked it out. And this is why this is not an investigation. This is not how lawyers conduct themselves, how committees of Congress are supposed to conduct themselves. We can't lose the entire White House Counsel's Office they claim a text says, I do not see January 6th happening the way he is being told. After the 6th, he should announce he will lead the nationwide effort to reform voting integrity. Go to Florida, watch Joe mess up daily, stay engaged. When he speaks, people will listen. Hannity wrote that night. This is in the press. The panel also questioned Hannity about a stream of texts he sent and received on January 5, the night before the riot. You wrote, I'm very worried about the next 48 hours with the counting of the electoral votes scheduled for January 6th at 1 p.m. Why were you concerned about the next 48 hours, the committee asked in its letter. Uh, I think we were all concerned about the next 48 hours. Not because of a riot, not because of violence, not because anybody was tipped off. Because the whole nation was aware of January 6th. It's compelled by law. So this is where... Um, they ended, except they include a letter. They include the letter. Is it to Hannity? Let's see here. It is, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Let's see. January 6th committee. They even put it on their Twitter site. The committee is seeking information from Sean Hannity. Thompson and Liz Cheney request Hannity answer questions about matters, including communications between him and the former president, Mark Meadows, and others, the days surrounding January 6th. And they they have the entire letter. 
with his address blocked out, apparently, the entire letter in the media, published in the media. The select committees in possession of dozens of text messages you sent to and received from former White House Chief of Staff Meadows and others. And this is evidence to me of how the committee violated the Constitution. They are using subpoenas and information provided by others with a gun pointed at their heads. They're using that information to violate uh, press freedom in this country. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Well, no, 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 you don't understand. He was also advisor to the president. No, no, that doesn't fly. That doesn't fly because all the media can be yanked in based on that argument. And the media here that defend what's going on here, the way they defended what the Obama-Biden administrations did with, with uh, Russia collusion, uh, how they participated in the efforts, the lies about Russia collusion. The media in this country are really at the lowest ebb they possibly could be. The lowest ebb they possibly could be. And they're doing the dirty work of a dirty committee. So that's why I'm spending time on this. I want to try and unravel what I can, try and sort through it for you, because you're not going to get the truth from the American media, because they stink to high heaven. They're poisonous. And you haven't gotten the truth from them in years and years and years. They're part of, if you read American Marxism, that entire effort or on freedom of the press, either one. They're part of that entire effort. And they're going to continue to be. Because remember what Liz Cheney said, the purpose here is to prevent Trump from ever being president and to prevent the Republican Party from ever nominating another person who embraces his beliefs. That's the position of this committee. And they've settled on the argument that there was a dereliction of duty, that Trump sat there for 187 minutes. That is a lie as has been pointed out by me using the excellent analysis of others. It is a flat-out lie, but it doesn't matter because that is the sort of currency the media and this Congress use. Lies. Tons more when I return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education. And it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. Imprimus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. To 
quote the great Marvin, we're moving and grooving here, folks. Moving and grooving. What are you talking about? Oh, some of you know what I'm talking about. I want to welcome Joe Rogan. I don't know Joe Rogan. He doesn't know me. I only watch the UFC, so I know him from that. Number one podcaster. I want to uh, congratulate him and welcome him to Getter, G-E-T-T-R, where we Levinites have been now for how long, Mr. Producer? Almost a year or so? Almost a year. I would encourage him to also join a parlor uh, where we Levinites have been for over a year. Uh, as you folks know, uh, I left Facebook and Twitter. How long is it now, Rich? A little over a year ago. I'd had enough of it. I'm not going to be censored by them. I'm not going to get scarlet letters by them. Uh, these are dim-witted, moronic leftists who do not believe in speech. They do not believe in the competition of ideas. And I was going to be damned if I was going to participate in that anymore or if I wanted any of you to participate in it anymore. So we've been telling you, come join us over at Getter. Come join us. Come join us over at Twitter. Mr. Producer, I see our friends on TV found the same video you found of March 17, 2005 of Chucky Schumer going on and on about how getting rid of the filibuster would destroy democracy. Well, congratulations to them. This is a widely listened to program. Widely listened to program. We are the point of the spear. I don't just say this. I'm not cocky. I say it because it's true. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something here I want to get to. You know, my wife, Julie, says people are getting too cocky about this 2022 election. They keep saying Republicans are going to win. They're going to win big. Rather than saying, she points out, that we're going to win and win big, we have to make sure we win and win big. And it starts, it starts with the rugby match. And the rugby match is redistricting. And our friends over at Just the News, John Solomon, listen to this headline. Redistricting has so far given Democrats six seats ahead of the 2022 midterm election. Six seats. The new map so far seemingly benefit Democrats, despite the fact that more people are moving to red states. This is how they steal these elections from us. At least six Democratic-leaning seats have been added to the House of Representatives so far ahead of the midterm elections this fall. Twenty-five states have finished redrawing their congressional maps using data from the 2020 census. Analysis from 538 found that compared to the old maps, there are now six more Democrat-leaning seats, one fewer Republican-leaning seat, and four fewer highly competitive seats. The new maps for now seemingly benefit Democrats, despite the fact that more people are moving from blue states to red states. Blue states, California, New York, Illinois, were the top three to lose seats following the 2020 census. Texas, Florida, North Carolina were the top three states to gain seats. Two of the new Democratic-leaning seats come from Illinois, which also lost one seat. Rumors flew around Springfield that Representative Rodney Davis would run for Governor J.B. Pritzker against him in 2024. So Democrats drew his district to be the only safe one for an Illinois Republican. All the others are up for grabs. Got that, folks? Oregon has also added two more Democrat-leaning seats after gaining a representative and drawing out one highly competitive district. 
Some states have yet to propose a congressional map. Connecticut has already passed its deadline, is asking the state Supreme Court to handle redistricting. Other states, like Arkansas and Florida, are debating 10 proposed maps. Many states are simply taking formerly competitive seats, making them solid red or blue. For example, New Jersey will gain three Democrat-leading seats and lose one Republican seat. The state's also losing two highly competitive seats. 538 explains that because many of those newly blue seats are already held by Democrats, it's actually Republicans who've gained a handful of seats. Republicans in Indiana, Oklahoma, Utah made light red seats safer. In North Carolina, Republicans removed two Democrat-leading seats and created two Republican-leading seats. Hold on. But the bottom line is, when they looked at the whole map in these 25 states, the Democrats have picked up six seats without casting a single vote. Now, follow me on this, because you're here for a reason. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Injustice, led by Meritless Garland, is radical, Marxist, kook, racist, bigot, who's the assistant attorney general heading the Civil Rights Division. And I don't use that phrase lightly. I use it when it's true, like with, with Joy Reid. But nonetheless... She's in charge. They've already challenged Texas. They want to steal one or two seats out of Texas, saying that Texas drew lines that are harmful to minorities. What they really mean are not minorities, but the Democrats. And they are poised to challenge other states, and have. Because they're there not to ensure that the 1965 Civil Rights Act is actually enforced properly and in good faith. But to use it to create more Democrat districts in Republican states and to create more Democrat districts out of Republican-leaning districts. So the Democrat Party has the United States Department of Injustice as well as several federal courts on its side, as well as many of these state Supreme Courts on its side. So this is a very, very, very important issue. Very important. To pay attention to this. What are you asking me, Mr. Producer? Not enough time, correct? Well, then we shall wait. I've got a little bit more on this I want to hit after the, the top of the hour. Please stick with us. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Hello, 877-381-3811. 3811. Now, following up on where I left off, how the Democrats are rejiggering these districts in their states. Even though they're losing population in the blue states and they're losing seats in these states, they're using it to ding the Republican districts. They're also using the Department of Injustice and the Uncivil Rights Division to come over the top to bring federal lawsuits under the 1965 Voting Rights Act, a.k.a. the 1965 Civil Rights Act, 
abusing that law in order to create more Democrat districts in Republican states or Democrat districts in marginally Republican districts. This reminds me of what took place in the lead-up to the 2020 election. I'm not talking about ballots and voting machines. I'm talking about the law changes that took place illegitimately in violation of the federal Constitution. Are you paying attention, Chris Christie, a.k.a. the Cape Mayorka? Are you paying attention, Paul Ryan, a.k.a. Paul Ryan? Are you paying attention... Liz Cheney, ah, she's a moron. You get the point, ladies and gentlemen. It is we who are standing up for the federal constitution when it comes to the issue of who sets election laws in the states. Is it a governor? No. Is it a lieutenant governor? No. Is it a secretary of state? No. Is it a board of elections? No. Is it a state supreme court? No. Any state court? No. Hello, is it a federal court? No! The framers would never have given this kind of power to any of those entities. They relied on state legislatures. State legislatures have to amend the Constitution. State legislatures at least had a voice in the United States Senate at the time before the 17th Amendment. Not governors, not courts, state legislatures. This is not to be dismissed. This is our history. This is the rule of law. So it is really quite unconscionable for people who have a responsibility to uphold the rule of law, to interpret the rule of law, to embrace and promote the Constitution. People in the so-called legal profession, people who are, who are plucked from obscurity to become federal judges or state judges or even Supreme Court justices. It is their responsibility to follow the law. But they don't. And so when you raise the issue, when I raise it behind this microphone, or when it's raised in court as it was in the Pennsylvania case, then there's something wrong with you. There must be something wrong with you. Don't question the outcomes of an election. Unless you're a Democrat questioning a Republican election whether it be 2000 or 2004, oh yes, or whether it be 2016, where you're not only questioning the election, but you're trying to destroy the outcome. And so in that vein, as they try and change these districts, the Democrats have so far picked up six House seats. Follow me, folks. Six House seats while everybody's running around. You know, we're going to cream them in 2022. Maybe we will. But they're making it a lot harder. A lot harder. And yet I am among the few nationally even speaking about this. When I need the backbenchers to get in a chorus line and dance across the stage like the Rockettes. Where are they? Nowhere. And then there's this. From the Blaze Media company that I helped form, a fantastic company, where we have Levin TV, among others. Prominent Democratic lawyer predicts 2022 litigation aimed at removing Republican House of Representative members from their seats. This is also in part what Liz Cheney 
And Nancy Pelosi are up to. Liz Cheney thinks she has the power of Benito Mussolini, or worse. The members of this committee do. They think just because they're a committee, they can throw around subpoenas. They can violate separation of powers. They can crush executive privilege because the dingbat in the Oval Office. Uh, I'm not going to assert. Where's my oatmeal? But anyway, uh, no. Mark Elias, that name. That name should now ring a bell in all of your minds as a contemptible slip-and-fall lawyer for the hardcore left Democrat Party. Mark Elias, one of the most prominent Democrat lawyers in the country, is predicting Democrats will attempt to prevent some duly elected Republican House members from serving, and that they may even attempt the file litigation to prevent some Republican members from serving. So, you see, they don't want to count all the votes. They don't want to accept all elections, ladies and gentlemen. They have strategies for challenging the 2016 vote of Trump and trying to destroy him in the meantime. They have efforts underway to go after their own members of the opposition party in order to prevent them from actually serving. No, 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 no. They don't believe in the right to vote unless you vote for them. Let us continue, shall we? Elias served as general counsel for the failed Democratic presidential campaigns of both John F. Kerry in 2004 and Hillary Clinton in 2016. He's a former partner at Perkins Coy, the Democrat-aligned law firm that was heavily tied to the now-discredited Steele memo that served as a pretext much of the investigation into former President Trump's connections with the Russian government, of which there were none. Elias also supervised the Democrat Party's national litigation response to the lawsuits brought by former President Donald Trump challenging the results of the 2020 election. Actually, we missed a big step there. He brought lawsuits before the challenging of results, well before. And I was beating the drums here behind the microphone that they brought hundreds of lawsuits, that they have hundreds and hundreds of lawyers that they're trying to affect the outcome of this election by changing the terrain. Did anybody listen, Mr. Producer? Nobody in a position of power listened. Nobody. Hello, nobody. On Twitter earlier, Elias said, my prediction for 2022, before the midterm election, we will have a serious discussion about whether individual Republican House members are disqualified by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment from serving in Congress. We may even see litigation. You see, folks, this is in part what the Pelosi-Stalinist committee is up to. That's why they want information from fellow Republicans, to try and create a narrative. To try and create a narrative. And, of course, they have a willing uh, doofus and buffoon in one Liz Cheney. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which was passed during the post-Civil War Reconstruction period. By the way, who passed that? I believe it was the state legislatures. Not the governor. Not any courts. The state legislatures. Was designed to prevent office holders under the former Confederate States of America from serving in the United States Congress. Elias tweets seem to imply that Democrats may attempt to remove Republicans from their seats on the basis of having supported the riots on January 6th. You see, 
This committee is coordinating with the Democrat slip and fall lawyers. This committee is coordinating with the DNC. Liz Cheney is a useful idiot, as the communists would call her, a useful idiot. But we should all call her that. Kingsinger, an unhinged reprobate. It's a strange dude, boy. Anyway, you see how they're coordinating their congressional strategy and their litigation strategy and their media propaganda strategy. And they have their two useful idiots, Cheney and Kingsinger. They have their useful idiots in the media at National Review and the Wall Street Journal. And they have other useful idiots in the media. Last tweet seems to imply that Democrats may attempt to remove Republicans from their seats. Yes. Republicans are widely expected to take back control of the House of Representatives, they say, in the 2020 elections. And so uh, they will use this. They are using redistricting. They will use litigation. They will do whatever they can. And, of course, the media will say they're free to challenge whatever they want. They're free to say whatever they want. They're free to claim whatever they want. They can talk about fraud. They can talk about riots. They can talk about people who are tainted. They can talk about uh, cheating and elections and on and on. That's perfectly fine. They can coordinate with the FBI. They can coordinate with the Intel services. They can coordinate with the Oval Office. They can coordinate with private law firms. They can coordinate with the DNC. That's perfectly fine. Wouldn't you love to see the texts of Chuck Todd? Wouldn't you love to see the texts of George Stephanopoulos? Wouldn't you love to see the texts of the frauds, the phonies, the fools, and the fakes at CNN and MSNBC, at the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost, all the things they've said back and forth to each other? Wouldn't you love to see those, ladies and gentlemen? Well, this committee has no intention of looking into any of that. Not now, not ever. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, to my great shame, that I haven't been taking many calls. I've been here, this is day two, I guess, 
And uh, I did not take many callers, and I haven't pulled up the proper uh, screen, Mr. Producer. Is there a caller to whom I shall speak? Even though I've got a lot to say, it's really not fair. To whom shall I speak? K-P-E-L, Adam, Lafayette, Louisiana. How are you, sir? I'm fine. How are you, Mr. Levin? Very well, thank you. I I just want to say I I really appreciate all the legwork that you do for most of us are too lazy or maybe ignorant to do. I really appreciate everything you do for us. I can say one thing the left has that we do not have is unity. Right or wrong, they stick together. Mm. Now, I do believe we're on the right side, and I do believe it will prevail. But we still have to do the hard work. And I, I want to thank you. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for listening, and you're exactly right. We don't have the kind of unity that the left has. Uh, And one of the reasons is we have people like, and I'm just being honest, like Mitch McConnell. And you know, 52% of Republicans do not care for Mitch McConnell, would like to see a new majority leader in this, excuse me, uh, Republican leader in uh, in the Senate. I've been talking about this for years and years and years. And then you have people like the Liz Cheney's and others who feel that they have to play to the press. It's the press has a very outsized role in this uh, republic. Uh, They're given freedom of the press. But when we got freedom of the press early on in the history of this country, as Clarence Thomas and others have pointed out, they didn't have carte blanche to say and do whatever they wanted to. In fact, the, uh, the, 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 Libel laws applied to the media, too. And the libel laws could be used, as a matter of fact, uh, by um, individuals, including public officials, if they wanted to sue media outlets. It was up to the states. Most of these laws were state laws. And then the Supreme Court changed all that about half a century ago. And so they're free to say and do pretty much whatever they want to say and do, except in extraordinary cases. And this is why now the Supreme Court, the government, giving the media this kind of immunity, this kind of protection. The framers did not. This is why the government and the media so often work together to expand and empower the government. Because the media owes much of its uh, propagandizing and its ability to do what it wants to do, smear people, character assassinate people, to big government. So I wanted to point that out. Adam, thank you, my friend. I very, very much appreciate it. Do you know, uh, I've been to New Orleans once, but I've never been to any other part of Louisiana. Isn't that ridiculous? It's a very cool state, as a matter of fact. Let's take a few calls, shall we? I think I will. Let's go to uh, Sue Gaithersburg, Maryland, the great WMAL. The Democrats and your state legislature, Sue, are trying to eliminate the single Republican congressional seat they have, so that every single seat in Maryland is held by a Democrat. This is the totalitarian mindset of the Democrat Party when they go on about everybody should have a right to vote. It's just that Republicans shouldn't have representation. That's all. Go ahead, Sue. Mm, yellow. Sue there or not? Sue, I th- I, are you eating something or how are you? All right. Let's go to Herman in Albany, New York, the great WDGJ. Herman, how are you, sir? Well, oh, how you doing, Mark Levin? Very well, thank you. (laughs) 
Yes. Uh, yes, I won't take too much of your time. It's probably the only call I'll make. But, you know, they say those who forget history is doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And I can assure you that Democratic Party to me, I call them Democrats, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're trying to destroy our freedoms. And now they got this thing about confiscating people's uh, guns, like the Jews um, were, uh, were confiscated by the Germans in World War II. Mm-hmm. Now, if the Jews would have kept their guns, maybe there wouldn't have been a Holocaust. You understand what I'm saying? And there certainly would have been a lot more dead Nazis. That's for sure, you know. And I'm just so shocked that people in this country can't seem to understand what the Democratic Party is doing. You know, it's so the people, some people in this country, their their uh, their intellect is in the ballpark, but their common sense is outside of the ballpark. No, you're right. And common sense and intellect uh, are not together. You got a real problem. Mm-hmm. And and to me. Um, just to have those Democrats trying to not only take away our rights, but trying to enslave us to their God-playing crackpot personalities uh, with their mm-hmm. rapist attitude with racial overtones, to me is so uh, it's so beyond the pale. Mm-hmm. Now, you're Republican, I take it. I'm a pro-life and Republican. Mm-hmm. All right, Herman. God bless you, my friend. Dan in Michigan, the great WTCM. Go right ahead, please. Howdy, Mark. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. All righty. Well, what I wanted to speak to is, is everything that I can find on the Internet seems to point to the idea. And by the way, I vote in Antrim County, Michigan. So if you'd like to have that conversation, we can do that, too. Um, Everything I can find on the Internet about January 6th appears to point to the idea that what they impeached Trump for, Mr. Levin, happened Mm -hmm. before the actual attack on the Capitol, or excuse me, after the actual attack on the Capitol. So I'm having a little trouble with this. I don't know if you can define this or clarify this for me, please. Yeah, I, I, I can define it. This is a rump, Nancy Pelosi, politicized, Stalinist-type effort. And you're going to see on Thursday the Attorney General of the United States, the President, the Vice, all of them are going to be Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Okie doke. I say we continue. Are you with me? There's not enough that's been said about Kim Potter's conviction. Kim Potter, of course, was the police officer with a stellar record. So stellar, she was a senior police officer, a senior female police officer. And uh, she would do training for other police officers on how to conduct themselves under certain circumstances. We all saw what took place. We all saw what took place. She accidentally, accidentally used her gun rather than her taser to fire one shot at Dante Wright killing him eventually 
And you could hear her say, basically, oh my God, I shot him. You could also hear her saying before, taser, 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 warning right. Warning right. About what was about to happen. And so we have this jury that imposes mob justice. She's convicted. She faces God knows how many years in prison should her appeal fail. The judge is such a coward, the trial judge, that he denies bail pending her appeal, which is absolutely outrageous. This is a decorated policewoman. She has served for over 20 years, and she didn't commit a crime. Anybody who's gone to law school, even dropped out of law school, or anybody, period, knows you need what's called mens rea. Some level of intent, mental intent, to commit a crime. Now, we have strict liability crimes, more and more, that apply to corporations and individuals through the bureaucracy, particularly when it comes to the environment and so forth. But when it comes to crimes involving the body, involving safety and so forth, and you're charging people with crimes that involve mens rea, some kind of intent, well then you need to show some kind of intent beyond even negligence and so forth. So she made a mistake. She didn't commit a crime. People make mistakes all the time that result in a death or bodily injury of individuals that are not crimes. Not a single syllable of evidence was presented. None that Potter intended to kill Dante Wright. Nothing. In fact, the evidence showed that her intention was to use a taser. Now, why was she even involved in this? Why did she even stop this guy? Because he had an outstanding warrant for his arrest that involved an armed crime. He resisted arrest. Then he fought and he got back in the car. He got back in the car. This was a threat to all three police officers, especially Potter, who was standing them, standing there. How do we know all this? We saw it with our own two eyes. With our own two eyes. So Potter's denied bail. You're denied bail if you're a flight risk or if you've committed some truly heinous offense. She did neither and does neither. Neither. What's happening here is quite obvious. Potter is white. Potter's white. Dante Wright is black. We have elected prosecutors, many of whom are supported by Soros, who are using race and racism in many of their decisions as are the media in the level of attention and reporting that they give to a particular case. And that's the truth. She's not a criminal. She's not a criminal. 
Now, why was she concerned? What happened? Well, what about Dante Wright? Who is he? Our friends at Post Millennial took a deep look. But actually, the Daily Mail did, and they pointed it out. Here's each of Wright's victims and their stories about how Dante derailed each of them. Jennifer LeMay, May 14, 2019. Not much is said about the initial incident that Jennifer's son, Caleb, suffered. Caleb and Dante were purportedly friends until that day at the gas station where Dante Wright discharged a firearm toward Caleb, striking him with a single-shot bullet in the head, causing serious disability and permanent injuries. Caleb Livingston was left crippled and wheelchair-bound over the incident. He can't even talk in his limited limb movement. Dante Wright shot him in the head. CV, December 2019, an anonymous woman who calls herself CV as it stands for crime victim. Her story is the aggravated robbery charge that Dante Wright was scheduled to face trial for before his death. CV and her roommate invited someone named Emma J., or MJ, Emma J, driver, over on the night of November 30th, 2019. Driver brought along Dante Wright. The pair were friends. The four of them hung out all night, but eventually driver and Wright caught wind that CV was due to pay her rent. So the two men hung out until the next morning when they could rob CV of her $800 in rent money. Dante Wright held CV at gunpoint. He said the following to CV, quote, I know you have the money. Give me the effing money. We know you have the money. That is what we are here for, unquote. And after that, Wright choked her, and both he and driver fled after trying to rob her. CV has since spent time in therapy working through the traumatizing experience. That was another friend of his who he assaulted. Julian Manjo, January 30th, 2017. When Dante Wright was 17, he played basketball with Manjo's son, but they weren't totally friendly. One day, Dante showed up to Manjo's house, rang the doorbell several times, and the father ignored him. But Wright, that is, Dante Wright, made his way inside through Manjo's bathroom window. The father tried to confront him, but, quote, Dante ran back into the bathroom, slamming the door shut behind, and crawled back out of the bottom window, Manjo said. I caught up with him, and he... and. Uh, and told him, I know who you are, and I'm reporting you to the police. Dante was charged with felony first-degree burglary and spent time in a mental health care over the episode. Joshua Hodges, March 21, 2021, a lawsuit alleges Dante Wright, and quote, an accomplice, unquote, shot Hodges while trying to steal his car. The place where he was shot, the lower left leg, hit a major artery that caused significant bleeding and a fracture, and a lengthy hospital stay, Dante Wright and his partner in crime managed to steal Joshua's car and other valuables after assaulting him. In the case of LeMay's son, it was left wide open and police never resolved it. She doesn't believe what happened was an accident. This is the young man shot in the head. The fact that Dante Wright will never face full accountability for his criminal actions is a pattern for nearly all the victims, and it goes on. That's who Kim Potter was confronting when he resisted arrest and jumped back into his vehicle. That's the individual. There's more to this. 
this entire nature of this event, which I want to discuss before we close this hour. And I shall return. Mark in. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs, with the absolute best consumer service team, based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Not circle back. I want to close the circle in a moment on this this case involving Potter because the Potter case is bigger than Potter. So Officer Kim Potter made a mistake in trying to arrest an individual who was violent, who had an outstanding warrant resisted arrest and jumped back into the car. Now, why would she find this individual to be somebody who needs to be removed from the streets and brought into custody? I want to tell you a story about another police officer. This is Bradley, Illinois. A Bradley police sergeant was pleading for her life just moments before she was fatally shot with her own service weapon by a gunman in a hotel last week, prosecutors said. Have you heard about this? On December 29, 2021, Bradley Police Sergeant Marlene Ritmanick and Officer Tyler Bailey responded to the Comfort Inn Hotel in Bradley regarding barking dogs that were left in a vehicle. When Officer Bailey arrived at the scene about 9.56 p.m., he ran the plates of the suspect vehicle, which registered to Alexandria Harris. Officer Bailey then entered the hotel lobby where he met with Sergeant Rip Manick. Bailey then asked a hotel clerk if there were any rooms under Harris or Darius Sullivan, as Bailey had knowledge that Harris was usually in the presence of Darius Sullivan. Bailey also knew Darius Sullivan was wanted on an outstanding warrant. Several warrants of arrests for failure to appear in court. The second suspect turned herself into police Friday afternoon. Officer Bailey was also allegedly aware at the time that Sullivan had previously fled from officers who attempted to apprehend him on the warrants. 
Sergeant Rip Manick and Officer Bailey were given the room where Harris and Sullivan were staying. Prosecutors said the officers proceeded up the stairs to the third floor, where they had the intention to issue a local ordinance violation for the dogs being left in the vehicle and to take Sullivan into custody on the outstanding arrest warrants. At 10.13 p.m., the officers knocked the first time and did not receive a response. The officers knocked a second time at 10.14 p.m. And Officer Bailey announced their presence and explained that Harris needed to leave the room and address the complaint regarding the dogs. Harris allegedly responded yes and indicated she would be leaving the room. At 10.17 p.m., Bailey knocked a third time and asked Harris, are you coming out, ma'am? Harris then allegedly responded, yes, I have to get dressed. At that point, Officer Bailey insisted that she left the room to address, that she leave the room to address the complaint. Harris said she would be right there. Officer Bailey then knocked a fourth time at 10.23 p.m., to which Harris allegedly responded with, okay, I'm coming. Officer Bailey then asked who else Harris was with in the room. To which Harris responded with, me, my sister, and kids. Officer Bailey then knocked a fifth time at 10.25 p.m. and Harris responded again that she was coming to the door. After 14 minutes, Harris allegedly opened the door and attempted to squeeze past the door and close it to to prevent officers from taking Sullivan. Again, wanted on multiple arrest warrants. Who was in the room? Both Sergeant Rip Manick, the female officer, and Officer Bailey asked Harris to stop blocking the doorway. Sullivan, Sullivan, with the multiple warrants, then allegedly came from around the corner in the hotel room holding a 9mm equipped with a drum clip. As Harris continued to prevent the officers from opening the door, Sullivan allegedly pointed the firearm at Officer Bailey and shot him in the head, murdered him. Sullivan then allegedly fired a first shot at Sergeant Ripmanic, the female officer, as she attempted to flee the kill zone. She was running, trying to get away. He fires at her. Sullivan chases Sergeant Ritimac down the hallway of the hotel, pins her up against a door. At that time, Sullivan's firearm jammed, and he was attempting to unjam his firearm using his hand and mouth, while also attempting to disarm Sergeant Ritimac of her weapon with his other hand. As Sullivan and Sergeant Ritmanic were struggling, Harris, member's girlfriend, walked down the hallway of the hotel, and Sullivan allegedly told Harris to cock the gun, cock the gun, with respect to his jammed firearm. Harris allegedly reached around the waist of Sullivan, assisted him in attempting to cock the firearm and or disarm Sergeant Ripmanic. Once Harris and Sullivan disarmed Sergeant Ripmanic, they stood over her as she was on the floor. Harris stood over Sergeant Ripmanic while holding Sullivan's firearm. Sullivan then allegedly told Harris to give him the keys. As she handed over the keys, Sullivan allegedly fired two shots 
from what is believed to be Sergeant Ritamac's duty weapon, striking her in the throat and neck. At the time Sullivan fired the fatal shots into her, Ritamac was pleading with them to just leave. You don't have to do this. Please just go. Please don't do this. She was desperately pleading for her life. He executed her. That's why police have to be cautious for God's sake. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. When I want you to listen to an interview on MSNBC today by Chuck Todd. First, you have Chris Van Hollen, who the Todd family is very close to. And there's now this push, and I've said, you can't tell the difference between the media and the Democrat Party and this American Marxism. The Democrat Party's pushing to annihilate our voting system. The media are strongly behind them. The Democrat Party uses propaganda and lies to describe what they're trying to do. The media regurgitate them. And you can see this with Van Hollen and Chuck Todd. Now, you're going to hear Van Hollen, most of it. But listen to how Chuck Todd responds to it. Mr. Journalism. Cut six, go. And Mitch McConnell, who in the end supported the bipartisan infrastructure bill, has made it very clear to his caucus and to the country mm-hmm. that he adamantly opposes this voting rights legislation and this legislation to protect uh, the right to vote. He thinks it's a matter to right. leave to state legislatures, even when state legislatures are stripping away people's ability to have their vote count. Look, I know that it's means not we've easy. got to do I- it. That means we've got to yeah. do it with, with the 50 Democrats, and that means we need to... How exactly are they stripping voting rights from citizens? You notice? They never get into the substance. They never get into the particulars. How? Go ahead. In order to protect yeah. our democracy. We should uh-huh. not allow an archaic rule to prevent us from protecting the right to vote across the country. Now, the archaic rule is the filibuster. That's the archaic rule they're talking about. Fifteen years ago, ten years ago, they defended it. Now they want to get rid of it because they have this supermajority of 50 votes, you know. They have this mandate, you know, to change America. So what the Democrat Party and the media really want to do is make permanent the Democrat majority. So Republicans can never win. That's why the borders are wide open. This is what they support. Go ahead. Well, there's no doubt the rule is looking more archaic every day. Hear that? Well, there's no doubt the rule is looking more archaic every day, Mr. Producer. 
What kind of an interview is this? Let's try again. Mr. Producer, I'm, I'm serious. I want you to ask Chuck Todd to come on the program so we could discuss global warming and the filibuster rule, okay? Straight up. He can pretend I'm Hugh Hewitt or something. And this is what goes on day in and day out, day in and day out in the media while most of you are working. Here's another example. Jonathan Allen is with NBC News. And he's on MSNBC today, uh, the bastard child of, of uh, NBC, which is the bastard child of Comcast. And he's interviewed by Stephanie Rule, who's as dumb as a doorknob. How she got that job, I can only imagine. Obviously through merit. But listen to her, and then listen to Jonathan Allen of NBC News, and he's been elsewhere before. Cut seven, go. But they don't want to touch the filibuster because you open a huge can of worms. Once you change these rules and you can push through bills without support from the other side, well, fast forward. What happens when Republicans are controlling the government? They can do the same thing when they're in power and do a lot more dangerous things. Right, Stephanie. It doesn't get talked about as much, but there is the potential that uh, somebody could come in and repeal the Civil Rights Act, um, to repeal the Voting Rights Act that my friend Aaron was just talking about. Uh, in its entirety, um, were they to uh, get in and have 50 votes to do it? So, um, you know, the, the filibuster so, protects so, the status. So, who would who would who would do that? The Republicans would come in and push to repeal the Voting Rights Act. The Voting Rights Act. Go ahead. Third thing, um, and uh, and over time, it's been used in disgusting and horrific ways um, to block progress. Um, and at the same time, it blocks uh, it blocks regression as well. Um, and that's something that I think is sometimes lost in the discussion. Well, I am surprised by the ending of that clip, and I want to salute Jonathan Allen in that respect. But it's a really odd way to put this, in my view. It's a very bizarre way to explain this. You get rid of the filibuster rule, there's no reason for a United States Senate, period. The House of Representatives is closer to the people, except when the Democrats get done with all the gerrymandering. There's no reason to have a Senate. The primary reason to have a Senate was so the state legislatures would have a say in the federal government. And to offset the popular vote from members of the House of Representatives, the direct vote. Well, they've eliminated both of those in one swoop of the 17th Amendment. Now, if they're going to eliminate the filibuster rule, and it's just majority rule all the time in the Senate, the Senate actually is sort of a tyrannical body at that point. What and who does it represent? Why do the states, why do the people of the states need a representative in the Senate when the congressional districts within the states have representatives in the House? Why not just go for your parliamentary system, which in my view is a disaster, but just do it? Because it makes no sense to have a bicameral body. None. Except these people want to be senators, two from each state. Well, why have two from each state? More and more when the Democrats speak, they talk about every vote should count. They're explaining why every senator should not exist. 
Why should you have two senators from Delaware and two senators from California? Delaware barely makes up population-wise one county in California. Why should you do that? Because of the construct that was set up by the framers for a specific reason, for a republic. But as they keep destroying the republican nature of this republic and keep pushing for majority rule, you know, the interesting thing is when it comes to elections, they push for majority rule. You know, they talk about every vote should count, except when they disagree with what the voters do. Then they don't believe any vote should count. Then they believe the courts should nationalize the issue and impose their will. So they believe in the tyranny, the tyranny of the majority and the tyranny of the elite. They believe in both. They do not believe in the constitutional system. They believe in both. Then we have this woman, Pramila Jayapal. I believe she represents Seattle. Go figure. And she's on MSNBC every day. MSNBC is like... It's like sort of the Marxist network out there. It's the Hate American network out there. Cut five, go. Similarly, wealth inequality is part of a coordinated plan by uh, uh, the largest corporations, the wealthiest individuals, who have done everything they can to stop progress. And so I think that we need to stop. Hear the um, terminology? What does progress mean to her? Similarly, wealth inequality is part of a coordinated plan by the largest corporations. You suckers, you corporatists who throng with these people. Hundred years from now, if they could have their way, you'd be hanging from telephone poles. The wealthiest individuals who've done everything they can to stop progress. No. You see, for them, progress is Marxism. That's their progress. That's what they mean by progress. They're never challenged. But that's what they mean. That's what they mean by progress. You see, the wealthiest demonstrate what? Financial success. Financial success is not to be demonstrated. The ability of people to become successful who were not wealthy to begin with. That's not something we're going to talk about. The largest corporations. Well, every large corporation combined doesn't have the power of centralized federal government. But that's not something we're going to talk about either. Period. So Pramalia, Pramalia Jayapal has more to say. Go ahead. That somehow this ephemeral idea of bipartisanship that manifests with the filibuster and, uh, you know, some mm-hmm. ability for people to block things from even coming to the floor for consideration. We're not even talking about voting no on a bill. We're talking about voting no on a motion to proceed. On no, the instead final- we should have what we have in the House. One totalitarian Marxist, the Speaker of the House, deciding what bills come to the floor and what bills don't. Only she should make that decision. Republicans have no say on what comes to the floor. They have no input on amendments under this speaker. She has proxy voting still going on, where a handful of her lieutenants get to vote for 10 or 20 of the other members. The House of Representatives doesn't represent anything but Nancy Pelosi. And I noticed Pramilia Jayapal, if that's her name, I don't know how to pronounce it, but if that's, if that's her name, she doesn't resist any of that. 
She doesn't resist rule by a handful or rule by one. She's among those who've been pushing Biden to rule by executive order. Not the wealthiest citizens, not corporations and so forth. And yet they're wealthiest citizens she likes, like George Soros and Gates and Buffett, as long as they're lining the pockets of the Marxists. That's perfectly fine by her. The corporatists, she loves them too, as long as they side with her. That's perfectly fine by her. But the biggest robber barons in this country are the politicians, the bureaucrats, and the central government. They not only have economic power, monopoly power if they seize it, they have the power to make laws. They have the power to put people in prison. They have the power to regulate your lives. They have the power to fine you. No company has that kind of a power. But this issue that she brings up about bipartisanship, I want you to listen very, very carefully to me. I'm doing this by memory. I believe it's in Chapter 6, but it's certainly in one of the chapters of American Marxism. That exact argument is made by one of the Marxist scholars that I point out in the book. That bipartisanship is nothing more than an agreement among the parties for the status quo. That's exactly what she's saying. Because I know what she is, and she knows what she is, and I read what she read. And I wrote about it in American Marxism. Go. And that's what I think we have to get rid of. And listen, if we don't have the, the votes ultimately to do that, then I think we do have to put the legislation up for a vote. And the people that are opposing that, whether it's senators or anyone else in the country, have to think about how they're going to respond when we do not have a democracy because of some ephemeral notion of bipartisanship. We do not have a democracy? This entire bill was written in secret. This entire bill excludes half the country. This is an omnibus bill, several thousand pages long. You have not had the right to participate. There have not been committee hearings. Therefore, the reporting has been abysmal. Who is she to talk about democracy when she embraces the opposite? And again, we're a republic. We're not a democracy. That's why we had a Senate. That's why we have courts. That's why we have uh, a Tenth Amendment. That's why we have a Ninth Amendment. That's why we have all kinds of things. No offense, we're not Canada, we're not Australia, we're not the United Kingdom, thank God. We're the United States of America. Nor are we Mao's China, or Stalin's Russia, or Castro's Cuba, which is more akin to what they like. More akin to what they like. The purpose of the filibuster is to do what, ladies and gentlemen? It's to prevent a runaway government. That's the purpose. But Pamela Jayapal wants a runaway government, her runaway government. That's not democracy. No, that is a totalitarian Marxist mindset. That's exactly what she has. And then there's Chris Van Hollen, Chuck Todd. Filibuster rules looking more archaic every day. Really, Chuck? You're a damn fool. It's funny, you never said that when the Democrats were in control. You never said that when Harry Reid used the filibuster to block appellate judges. No, Harry. No, uh, rather. Chuck, you never said any of those things. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, of course, on the uh, Sunday shows, ladies and gentlemen, the hosts are spreading lies. George Stephanopoulos, he does this for sport on ABC's very weak Sunday show. Uh, he's talking about how, uh, well, let's hear for ourselves. Cut nine, go. I mean, this is purely in the Republican camp. The reality is, is even the polls suggested the Democrats agree that this was not about democracy. This is about ruining democracy, not protecting it. 25% of Democrats said violence was acceptable in that poll. In 2017, a third of Hillary Clinton voters said Donald Trump was not legitimately elected. They didn't, and you're they saying didn't this take is the same kind of actions it, that we exactly. saw. And everybody's pointed out, oh yes, they did. They rioted at the inauguration of Donald Trump. Burned cars, broke windows, beat cops. They did take action. But Georgie has a selective memory, as we know, as does Yvette Simpson, whoever the hell that is, CEO of Democracy for America. Because we all know Democrats are not violent, whether it's the weather underground, in the 1960s, blowing up the Capitol building, the Pentagon, the State Department, then making another run at the Capitol building with another bomb, whether it's Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the NBA and the NFL and the corporatists in America, all supporting, effectively celebrating the riots that took place that summer, not long ago, two summers ago, with all the damage, the death and the mayhem. But Democrats are not violent, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, if I may say, and I will, it's my show, the tens of millions of abortions, they're not violent in the least. If we did that to dogs that were having puppies, people would be arrested. But hey, what do I know? So there you are. You watch ABC's This Week, you're going to get a mouthful of marbles filled with a mouthful of lies. Just remember that, folks, because you will. Or you can turn to MSNBC, America's number one racist, and there's a lot of them. Joy Reid on MSNBC yesterday, she's pretending to be a conservative. Because she knows so much about you, conservatives. Cut 14, go. When I vote, the candidates who I select have to win. Otherwise, it's a literal crime. And I get to react to that as violently as I want to, with no consequences. Oh, really? Like 2016? Really? Really? Amazing. Go ahead. So if I use mine and shoot you, too bad. I like them. And you can Listen just to be what big. a moron she is, and Comcast keeps putting her on TV. She's on prime time. What a bigot and what a racist this woman truly is. This is how she views, quote-unquote, white people. Go ahead. Oh, well, no limitations on me. 
And if I'm the police, sorry for you. Literally everything I do is fine because I am a special citizen. And who are these special citizens? Why they're white so-called Christian conservatives who feel like this country was built by them for them. And so everyone but them needs to suck it up and let them have their way or else. And their party, the Republicans, have gone from pretending to be the party of personal responsibility to unmasking themselves as the party of selfish people who cannot play well with others. And even they even have their own cable networks. Plus something called Getter, which kind of sounds like porn. Sounds like porn? Really? Sounds like porn? Well, you sound like a form of Louis Farrakhan in a dress. Matter of fact, you are Louis Farrakhan in a dress in so many ways. You disgust me. You are filled with poison. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. It's a great piece by David Catrone in the American Spectator. It's not that it says new things, but it, it's poignant. It's the way it, it's written. He says, a casual internet search of the term save democracy will retrieve countless articles and opinion pieces from major media outlets contending that free elections in the U.S. will soon be a thing of the past if Congress fails to pass so-called voting rights legislation right now. The following Washington Post headline is typically portentous. Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin mull whether democracy is worth saving. It is a little more than an ad hominem attack on the only two Democrats who have resisted pressure to eliminate an arcane Senate rule in order to facilitate federal usurpation of state election prerogatives outlined in the Constitution. The alarming irony is that these two senators constitute the only bulwark protecting the nation's historically decentralized elective system from a one-size-fits-all beltway-dominated scheme designed by and for the Democrats. Even more unnerving is that both favor election reform. Indeed, Manchin is among the co-sponsors of the Freedom to Vote Act, His sole concern about this bill involves the necessity of altering the filibuster to get it passed. And the Democrats are so desperate to do so, as President Biden revealed with a tirade recently on December 14. Every syllable of his diatribe was fiction, but Biden inadvertently revealed the true impetus behind the so-called voting rights push. As the Brennan Center for Justice laments, 
At least 19 states have passed election integrity laws in 2021. And as Biden's wild mischaracterization of them suggests, he knows they're a threat to his party. As Representative Lauren Boebert, Republican, Colorado, puts it, anytime Democrats say something is a threat to democracy, it really means a threat to the Democrat Party. Now, they know if they can't win in states like Virginia, they don't have a prayer in states that actually take election integrity seriously. Last month's election in the Old Dominion highlighted how vulnerable the Democrats will be in next year's midterms if they can't find some way to federalize our elections that the states have far less control than the founders intended. Consequently, the pressure on Manchin and Cinema is increasing exponentially. And by the way, you hear them now. We've got to change our voting laws. Every vote must count. But insist that the long-term interests of the Senate and the Democratic Party will be better served by leaving the filibuster unmolested. Yet Greg Sargent reports that Manchin and other Senate Democrats are still meaning to discuss various options for carving out a filibuster exception. I don't trust Manchin or Cinema, and I never have. All of which suggests that Manchin's commitment to preserving the filibuster is less about genuine principles than the absence of a plausible excuse for such a cynical betrayal of his constituents. A recent survey of West Virginia voters by MBE Research found the following. 67% of those surveys agreed with the continued use of the filibuster in the Senate, compared to 26% who said no. Manchin isn't up for re-election until 2024, but so he may calculate that he can survive a vote to alter the filibuster ostensibly, quote, to restore its original purpose, he says. In this Sunday morning announcement that he won't support the Build Back Better Act enhances his carefully crafted image as a man of principle. I've always said, if I can't go back home and explain it, I can't vote for it. And despite my best efforts, I cannot explain the sweeping Build Back Better Act in West Virginia. Now, this will provide Manchin cover to vote for filibuster reform, quote-unquote. If he does, Cinema will also cave, and the vote Freedom to Vote Act will sail through Congress, and Biden will sign it into law. But this bill will be more difficult to explain than Build Back Better, and it's more dangerous democracy. Here's a couple of the points about it that we've discussed in the past. And this is why Chuck Todd, George Stephanopoulos, even some of our friends, but they won't explain what's in the bill. It would invalidate all state laws requiring voters to show a photo ID to vote. It would arbitrarily foist no excuse mail-in voting on every state in the union. It would require every state to implement uniform online voter registration. It would require that all states enact an automatic voter registration system. It would require that states allow same-day voter registration for federal elections. It would require states to use poorly secured ballot drop boxes for mail ballots. It would prevent poll watchers from gaining meaningful access to ballot processing. And I would add others. It would require 16 and 17-year-olds to register to vote. It would allow people to vote in precincts in which they don't live, meaning it would be extremely difficult to find them voting multiple times. And so many other things, which is not intended, not intended to secure the vote. It's intended to destroy the vote, your vote. Inevitably, the Freedom to Vote Act is full of unconstitutional provisions. It commands, it commandeers the broad authority to regulate all elections, congressional and presidential. The latter is an expansion of federal power clearly incompatible with the plain text of the Constitution, which vests state lawmakers, hello, not Congress, with the manner of choosing presidential electors. 
It also considered violence to the First Amendment. Excuse me. It also does considerable violence to the First Amendment by requiring quote super PACs, 501c4 groups, and other organizations spending money in elections to disclose their donors and unambiguous infringement on political speech, so they can harass them. The For the People Act is not an attempt to save democracy. It's a dangerous Hail Mary, whose obvious purpose is to save the Democrats from the consequences of their bad policies and worse leadership. It would unleash an avalanche of constitutional challenges just as we begin an election cycle, produce even more, even more chaos at the ballot box than the voters experienced in 2020, and further undermine the public's confidence in the overall election system. The country doesn't need this, folks. The country doesn't need this. And yet there's 50 Democrats who support it, or most of it. And 100%, check that, 99.9% of the media who support it too. It would fundamentally change America from a country where we have competitive political races to a country of one party. They want to turn it into California, pretty much. That's what they want to do to the rest of the country. They want to destroy the red states and the voting systems in the red states. So they lie. They embrace Saul Linsky. They embrace them all. And so when states are trying to put in place responsible, responsible guards and guardrails to ensure that voting is done in a legitimate way to protect the franchise, they are accused of voter suppression. They're accused of attacking Minorities, people of color, because this is all the Democrat Party knows. The party of slavery now is concerned about voting. The party of segregation is concerned about voting. The party of Jim Crow is concerned about voting. The party of Orville Faubus and George Wallace is concerned about voting. The party that had a smaller percentage of people vote for the Civil Rights Act of 64 and 65 than the Republicans is concerned about voting. The party that claimed that Russia collusion won the 2016 election, that the 2000 election was illegitimate and given to George W. Bush by the Supreme Court. Now they're concerned about voting. The party of Cook County and Bill Daley concerned about voting. And I could go on and on and on. They're not concerned about voting. They're concerned about winning. And they're concerned to ensure that they could never lose. They want to control the bureaucracy, the unelected part of the government, and they want to control the rest of it, the so-called elected part of the government. They don't want competition. This isn't about voting. This is about power, and it always has been. Change the rules. Change the system. They support the Electoral College when they win. You notice they didn't call it corrupt this time around, but when they lose, it's corrupt. It's a vestige, they say, of the slaveholders and the plantation holders because they don't know what the hell they're talking about and it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. I just want to remind you these are the same people who are destroying the country today. These are the same people who have destroyed legal immigration in America where two million illegal aliens have now come across the border in one year's time. I want you to think about that. That's an enormous number of people. That's bigger than the city of Philadelphia. That's massive. I want you to think about what they've done to our economy in 12 short months. It's not big meat. It's not big oil. It's big government. It's big Democrat. 
I want you to keep that in mind. I want you to see what they've done to our police forces all over the country. I want you to see how they're hollowing out your savings and your pension by destroying the currency. How they use your hard-earned dollars to benefit their base, to give money to people who haven't earned it, and to take money from people who've yet created it, your children and grandchildren and those yet born. Watch that. This is the party. This is the party that wants to make sure every vote counts. With their gerrymandering, does it look like they want every vote to count? In 2016, did they want every vote to count? When they dismissed the election of Trump in 2000, when they dismissed the election of Bush? And now their hack lawyer, their slip and fall election lawyer, Mark Elias, wants to challenge the election, those legitimately elected Republicans? By trying to turn this into a 14th Amendment issue? Ladies and gentlemen, the Democrat Party is a tyrannical entity with a totalitarian mindset. Whether they have the voters or they don't have the voters, whether they have the law or they don't have the law, it doesn't matter. They're power-hungry thugs. Power-hungry thugs. That's what they are. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Ladies and gentlemen, the Sunday show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, will be brand new this Sunday. Levin TV, we're recording tomorrow and the next, they're going to be brand new all week long. So all new Levin TVs, all new Life, Liberty, and Levin. I am back. I am front. I am ready. I am rocking. I'm rolling. And to quote the great Marvin, I'm moving and I'm grooving. All right, who's Marvin, you want to know? Many of you know who Marvin is. But I have to tell you, I get a kick out of watching this show, the Gem Shopping Network. It's on 24-7. And the wheels go round and round and round, and they never stop. And their hosts are so entertaining. I mean, they're on their six, seven, eight hours straight. They do a couple hours preparation. And they're talking effectively about the same subject over and over and over again. And so they have to come up with interesting lines. They provide education. They provide some backgrounds. They have great, great vendors, by the way. Great vendors. 
And so I, you know, sometimes I just can't watch the news, particularly with all the liars, thugs, and goons who are giving it. So I'll watch that. American pickers. Not, that's not for American nose pickers, American pickers. Of course, my buddy, Rick Harrison on Porn Stars. So I like watching these. HGTV, there's a new show. I forget. It's not new. It's new to me. This couple on Laurel, Mississippi. They're very good. Love it or list it. I love it. I don't watch them all the time. I'm moving, shucking and jiving between the different shows and so forth. But it gives you a, uh, you know, it just gives you a little mental freedom and relaxation from time to time. I'm just saying. It really does. So, just wanted to point that out. China's in the news as we close the program tonight. Communist sweep sham Hong Kong election. Shh! Don't talk about that. It's a sham election. Don't talk about that. It must be okay. You know, uh, there's a lady by the name of Ann Althaus, and she has her own blog, and she's linked to from time to time by uh, my great professor friend over at Instapundent and uh, Glenn Reynolds. And she talks, you know, if you want to discuss or debate some of the events in the last election or raise questions... The corporatists shut you down, the media shut you down, the lawyers shut you down, the judges shut you down. Okay. Why are they doing that? Why is this subject taboo? Why can't we exercise our free speech? We can exercise it on almost anything else, or we used to. The Democrats always talk about Republicans stealing elections. They're always challenging them. The media spoke for two and a half years about Russia collusion, meaning Russia... Russia won the election. It was a lie, and they knew it was a lie. And they won't give their Pulitzers back. Nobody's been fired. Nobody's even been suspended or downgraded. The media are sickening. They're a lie. They're even profession. The idea that it's a profession is a joke. They've done this. Not me, not you. They've done it to themselves. Okay. So she points out, really what this is, is more of an intimidation effort than anything else. It is a massive intimidation effort, if not coordinated in an affirmative way, coordinated in a repetitive way. And so anybody who wants to question the election, you're intimidated to keep your mouth shut. It's like calling somebody a racist. You're a racist. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay. I won't say it again. You know, something of that sort. Anyway, it's worth noodling over. I thought she made a great point. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and of course, emergency personnel, all of you great patriots out there. I adore each and every one of you. You're part of our big family here, and I will see you tomorrow.